everybody. Are you good? I'm Zach Spector. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the youth pastor. Those are my people. Love you guys. I don't see many notebooks. Hey! We got the notebooks. And everybody said amen. We can do church. I'm so excited to share. And before I get started, I just want to say, uh, can we just give a huge round of applause to our lead pastors, Pastor Mike and Christy? I don't think he likes when I do this, but I have to do it because I love him so much. And the example that he sets for me and for us as our lead pastor is incredible. And uh, I I told the last service, this is kind of the insider scoop. We have a prayer room right in the back. And Pastor Mike and I kind of have this competition to see who can get back there first. And uh, can I just tell you what it does to my heart and my spirit when I try to go back there to pray and my lead pastor is in that room on his knees praying, praying for you guys, praying for us, praying for me. I mean, there's something about an example from a godly man, amen? And uh, I'm just so thankful that we have a leader he doesn't just preach, but he practices what he preaches and he lives this thing. His integrity, his faith, it's real. It's real on the stage, it's off the stage, in his family, with his wife, with the pastors, with the staff, with our leaders, with the volunteers. Consistency. And uh, I love you so much. You're amazing. Seriously, thank you. And it's a huge honor. A huge honor to get to speak. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. If you've got your Bible, why don't you open with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and if you're new to this setting, if you're new to church, I just want to give a little context for what we're about to read. Basically, uh, we do believe in this church in Jesus. We believe that Jesus was not just a, a figure. He's not just this antiquated statue. We believe that Jesus was a real, living, breathing human being, and that he came down to earth just like you, just like I did. He came down here to be with us, and, and God sent his son. Why? Because we could never get to heaven on our own. So God sent his son, as we just sang, from heaven to earth to mend, the, to mend the gap. Amen? So Jesus comes, but if you're new to this, he didn't just out of the womb start doing these, these miracles. It actually didn't start until he was 30 years old. And right around 30 years old, his ministry or his movement begins with his baptism. And uh, what we're about to read is the story of Jesus's baptism in, in Mark chapter 1. In verse 9, read along with me. It says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. When I read that, all I can think about is what's happening in this moment, you know? Like think about the people that are watching this, seeing this, experiencing this. If I saw that happen, I'd be like, whoa! The Bible says that the heavens opened and a voice came from heaven and it said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is crazy. This is a really big deal. And for Jesus, it's kind of one of these mountaintop moments. You know what I'm talking about? One of those mountaintop moments. Maybe you get married in that wedding day. That's kind of a mountaintop moment. Or maybe you get this brand new job. It's all you can talk about. It's all you can think of. Brand new job. Or maybe for some of our young people, you're walking around high school and you see somebody and you're like, that's the one. It's not the one. <laughs> that's the one. 
It's not the one, you're 15. That's the one. Wait until you're 30. And all the parents said amen. But it's that moment starry-eyed, like, oh, that's the one. That's my dream job. Or God, maybe God speaks something into your heart. He says, you're going to be a lawyer when you get older. You're going to be a doctor. For me, it was, you're going to be in the NBA. I'm kidding. God never spoke that over me. I'm 5'10 and white. And uh, no limitations, though. I'm still believing in faith. And so that's what we're going to talk about. It's a counseling session where I tell you guys my dreams and you guys tell me how stupid I am. I'm kidding. Anyways, it's this mountaintop moment, right? Like you see that girl for the first time. You're like, oh my goodness. The first time I saw my fiance, Nicole, which we did just recently get engaged. For those of you who don't keep up via Facebook or Instagram, God bless you. Um, It was like that for us, I'm telling you. So I kept it, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I kept it from her for about a month. I had talked to her parents, I talked to my parents, I talked to some of my counsel, my pastors and my leadership, and I felt like it was was a God thing. And so I go through the process. She has no idea. And uh, I decide I'm going to do it on this Friday, the Friday before Christmas in December. And, um, but we're both taking classes in college and, and Thursday was our last day of school, Thursday night. And so I told her, hey, for Friday, like, School's over, let's go up to Breckenridge and let's just celebrate school being out. And she's like, okay, that sounds amazing. And so I had to drive two hours from Castle Rock to Breckenridge with a ring in my pocket and a grin on my face. And she had no idea. And she's taking like Instagram selfies and pictures of me and I'm just sitting there like looking out the window, like trying not to make direct eye contact for two hours because I'm just bubbling. And, uh, and, and we get to Breckenridge and I didn't tell this in the last service, but we got to Breckenridge and I'm like, I, I can't keep it in. I'm like, and I told my friends and our families, they were up there. I told them, when we get to Breckenridge, it's going to happen in about 15 minutes. So be ready because I can't keep this in. We get up to Breckenridge, we park, and I'm walking to this spot. I had it all planned out. And, uh, and she's like, I don't want to go to that spot, babe. I'm, I'm really hungry. Like, I'm really hungry. And I was like, babe, we're going to the spot. And she's like, I'm really hungry. Like, can't the spot wait till after lunch? And I was like, babe, we're going to the spot. You know, like this is, a, this is the moment and, and I do it and it's amazing. It was the most exhilarating moment maybe of my whole life. And it felt, it was, it was a lot of this, it was that mountaintop. And I, I, even looking back on it, I have this thought, man, I wish I could live on that Friday. You know, I wish the rest of our lives could be that Friday, that engagement day, that wedding day. I wish it could be that, that moment you see that, that girl or that boy for that first time. The moment you get the dream job, you know, you get the dream job day one. I've been dreaming of this my whole life only to find out a few weeks later that life isn't actually lived up here on the mountaintop. Life isn't actually lived right here on the mountaintop. Even for Jesus, the Bible says that the the heavens opened and the voice from God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, you know? And it would be really easy if, if our Bible read that immediately from there, Jesus went and did miracles and signs and wonders, but that's not what happens. The Bible says in verse 12, the very next verse, it says the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled the talk this morning, the message, Wild Wild Wilderness. Wild Wild Wilderness. I ripped it off of what I thought was a Will Smith song, (laughs) only to get corrected by people more experienced than I am, that it was cool and something. What's his name? Does anybody know? Anyways, to me, it's Will Smith. And uh, 
that dates me, but it will date our youth even longer. They're going to come up to me after service and, and say, I thought Will Smith was an actor. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, before you were born, Will Smith sung songs, you know. But this whole mountaintop experience, it reminds me of, of the movie Lion King a bit. You know that moment where, where uh, the Mufasa and even Rafiki take Simba up onto Pride Rock and uh, he holds him up in the air. You know what I'm talking about? If you haven't seen it, uh, we've got the clip. Why don't you watch it? Wouldn't it be great if Simba got to, to live right there on that Pride Rock moment? But if you've seen the movie, you know that his story is going to go through a number of twists and turns before he actually becomes king. And in our lives, I want to tell you today that in our lives, we have to go through this season right down here called the wilderness, the wild, wild wilderness. We have to. A lot of times, even some of the advice we get is just take a leap of faith, you know? Pastor JR, after last message, literally said, you should try it. <laughs> Actually, what he said is I should pull on this and just fall over. <laughs> and I said, that's the worst idea ever. But you're my pastor. I got to do it. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> this is the advice we hear, right? Take a leap of faith, thinking that a leap of faith will get us from the prophecy to the promise. And this is really what we're talking about. From the prophecy, which if you're new to this culture, it's not a weird, spooky, spiritual thing. Prophecy is really just a forecast of the future. Sometimes God uses people to give you a prophecy. Sometimes God himself will kind of invoke a word into your spirit about what will happen in the future. It's called prophecy, but, but it's this idea of going from the prophecy to the promise. And when you get the prophecy, it feels really encouraging. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be this when I get older. I'm going to be that when I get older. And I'm going to do all these amazing things. And God promised these things. And he told me these things. And it feels like a mountaintop. We kind of feel like we're soaring on wings like eagles. We're just right up here. And, um, and so some of, the, some of the times it's like, okay, but to get to the dream, take a leap of faith. I want to tell you that oftentimes you take a leap of faith and you fall flat on your face. Why? Because God's not calling us most often to take a leap of faith. Oftentimes, he's calling us to take obedient steps of faith. Obedient steps of faith. I, I believe that it's steps that get us from this place to that place, not a leap of faith. I don't think that it's a, an elevator to your dream. I don't think that it's just a press a button overnight. I don't think there's a supplement you can take. A lot of us work out. We take these supplements thinking, I'm going to get strong quick. 
I hate to break it to you, but your dream takes more than just a supplement. Your dream doesn't happen overnight. The dream, the process, the calling on your life isn't just a leap of faith. It's, it's obedient steps of faith. Step by step by step by step. That's the way that God works. God works through, he works from prophecy through process to promise. From prophecy through process to promise. It's the wilderness. And a lot of times we get in the wilderness and it gets rough, it gets tough, it gets hard, it gets messy, it gets ugly, and we think, this can't be God. This has to be the devil. The enemy is torturing me. The enemy is beating me up. And maybe he is. But our Bible reads that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit led Jesus into a place where, yes, he faced testing. Yes, he faced temptation. Yes, the enemy persecuted him. Those things did happen, but it wasn't the enemy that took him there. It was the Spirit of God that took him there. In your life and in my life, the Spirit of God will take us to some uncomfortable places. The Spirit of God will not allow you to do what our natural human instinct is to do, which is to cling. Cling. Friday we get engaged and we're up here and then Saturday hits and we're going through life and I'm just like, I just want to stay. You get the dream job and everybody's welcoming you and it's the best thing in the world. And then you start doing the job and you're like, this is not what I thought it would be. I just want to stay. Come on, God, bring me back up here. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we cannot go back. As much as we want, we cannot go back to what was. We have to keep moving forward. The direction of Jesus, the direction of God is always forward. He says, behold, I do the, a new thing. I do a new thing. That's this direction. This is onward. The Spirit of God is not working backwards. It's working forwards. But us as humans, we try to go we try to cling to backwards because we are realizing that there is actually a cost and a price to pay to get to this place. And so oftentimes we get this prophecy and we say, yeah, I do. I want to be a, I want to be a preacher and I want to be a speaker and I want to do these things. I, I, this is what I want to be when I grow up. And, 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 and we don't understand that the price is a high price. The price to get to your calling is a high price. Why does a doctor have to go through so many years of schooling? Because the price to pay is high to be in that position. Why would lawyers, judges have to go through all this school? Well, the world system has just created this right here. That's it, to get to there. Us in our lives, we have to go through there. Oh, I want to be a preacher. And, and people ask me, when did you get called into ministry? I've never gotten called into ministry. I still don't think I've gotten called into ministry. I never heard a call. My phone's never rang. It never said God. He never said, hey, Zach, you should preach. Hey, Zach, you should. You know, I never heard a call like that. All I heard was I gave my life to Jesus, salvation, Right? And uh, eventually after you get saved, you have to come off this mountain. That's why in the Psalms that even, there's a prayer, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore the joy of this moment is the prayer. Restore to me this joy, which is a, a holy desire. Give me that joy, that inward joy. But we can't go back to this place. Eventually, after we get saved, we begin to come down. I got saved. I went on a mission trip, my first mission trip to Belize. One of the best experiences of my life. A group of college kids that loved God and loved people and just built houses and amazing. And that moment felt a lot like this. I even remember the plane ride home. It just, I felt dejected because it's like, I can't go back to Belize. I'm going back to my life. And 
I got back home and almost all of my friends wanted nothing to do with me. They wanted nothing to do with me. I'd given my life to Jesus. I'm this Christian kid. And, oh, you're a Christian now. How can you call yourself a Christian after the way you've lived? And I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And, uh, and so I get, I get home from that mission trip, and my life feels a lot like this, just kind of down here in a pit. Nobody around me, nothing really, just not good. And, and I, I didn't hear God say, hey, you, you're going to be a youth pastor. Hey, you're going to be a, a preacher. You're going to do these things. He didn't say any of that. He just said, hey, why don't you start serving and getting involved in the church? Yeah. And you know what I did when I started here? I started here greeting and doing ushering. I passed the buckets and I waved hi to people as they come in. And that's not a small task. If you're on the greeting team, we need you. It's a big deal. The way you're greeted oftentimes determines whether or not you'll stay. Most places, they'll say. The first few seconds, we make a decision whether we're coming back or not. It's a big deal. If you're on the greeting team, we love you. It's a really huge deal that when people come in, they don't just feel like, oh, you're here to fill a seat, but they feel like you're a son or a daughter of God. That when they walk in, they feel encouraged. Oh, man, I love life. Have you ever walked into a place and the greeter's like over the top like, hey, so glad to see you. I can't believe you're at church. I'm so glad you're here. And you kind of just like, I wasn't even glad to be here, but now I am, you know? I mean, it's so great, but that's what the greeting team does and the ushers. I remember being an usher and passing the buckets or passing the communion elements and just praying, God, would this be real to people? Would people really connect with this thing? And, and that's kind of what it looked like. And then I got a promotion, you know, God promoted me from uh, greeting and ushering me, ushering, and he promoted me to, uh, to, to toilet plunging. <laughs> Funny for you. That's a true story. Pastor Andrew and I, we used to have competitions to see who could plunge the most toilets in this church. We used to pray before you come, not that you'd get saved, but that you'd go to the bathroom and plug the toilet. I'm kidding. We used to send like girls into the bathroom. Hey, tell us if there's a, if there's a toilet plugged up. Is this gross? You ready to leave? This is my promotion. Greeting, ushering. Okay, why don't you plunge toilets? I said, sure, God. That's kind of what it looks like to get from here to there though. It's just being obedient to whatever God asks you to do. It doesn't matter if it feels like it's going backwards. It doesn't matter if it looks like it's going backwards. It just matters that you're being obedient. All I have control over is the process, being faithful to the process, being faithful to God. He handles the promise. He handles this thing. I can't do this. Are you kidding me? You're, I'm not that gifted. I'm not that talented. I'm not that good at anything. Seriously, we're not that good. I think God looks down at us and he says, really? You think you're going to get up there by yourself? Good luck. You know what I mean? Like he's asking for our partnership. He's asking for collaboration. He's asking for us to just start taking steps, but to get to a place in our journey where we realize, God, I need you. God, I need you. I think he's waiting for us to get to this place right here. Waiting for us to get just along the journey. We come down off the ladder and we start walking and walking and, and walking and taking these steps of faith, being obedient, whether it looks big or little, taking these steps. But then we get to a point where it's like, God, I can't do this anymore. I literally believe he gets us to a breaking point in our spirit where we're like, God, I can't do this anymore. And it's at that moment where us as Christians, we can either go backwards or we can fall on our knees in our faces and say, God, you're my everything. And you're enough. Whether I get up there or not, you're enough. 
whether I get there or not, you are good. Whether I get there or not, I will love you. Whether I get there or not, I will serve you. Whether I get there or not, you deserve the glory and the honor. You are worthy of all adoration and all praise. Whether I get there or not. We got to get to a place where we let go of these things and just say, God, I'm in it for the long haul. If I end up 90 with nothing to show for my life other than being faithful to God, faithful to my wife, and faithful to my family, then so be it. Thank you, Lord. If that's all my life amounts to is I was faithful to God and faithful to my family, then yes, that's it. That's a life well lived. That's a well done, good and faithful servant. That's what that is. But in this wilderness season, we get so caught up with, I got to get to the top and I got to make the climb. And I, this is American culture in this Western culture where it's like, and, and we end up in a place a lot like the Israelites. You know, this idea of wilderness and prophecy to promise with the wilderness in between, it's all throughout the scripture. There's so many illustrations in the Bible of this playing out. You look at the Israelites, they are in slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt crying out that God would deliver them, and, and, and he finally does. You know that, that passage where God splits the Red Sea, and they walk through, and then he closes the Red Sea, and, the, and Pharaoh and all his people die, and they're free, free at last. Only to read just a little bit further and realize that they're complaining the entire time. They get to freedom and complain, at least in Egypt we had food, at least in Egypt we had water, at least complaining, 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 complaining. In a journey for the Israelites, the scholars say should have taken between 11 days to a month, ended up taking 40 years. 40 years. 40 years to get from here to there when God said, this should take about a month. That's being pretty lenient. Like this journey should take a month. It took them 40 years. What are we talking about this morning? We're talking about the wild, wild wilderness being obedient in this season so that what should take you only 11 days doesn't take you 40 years. I don't want to get to being 70 years old and thinking, God, that should have taken me like a week. I've been living with this for 40 years. There are addictions in our lives that God says this should be broken in a matter of moments that we live with for 40 years because our, we're complaining and we're bitter and we're not being obedient in the wilderness. The wilderness. What do we do in the wilderness? Well. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 gives us three really important things that we can do in the wilderness. If you've got your Bible, if not, it's on the screen. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus, there's three areas and they're not, I love, you know, oftentimes it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. You know this? It's not always what you say, but it's the way that you say it. Yeah. And uh, even true with Jesus, I mean, obviously what he says is of utmost importance, but even the way he says it, I love the way he says these three things. He says, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give, when you give to the needy. I love it. You see the key word there? I'm not talking about give. I'm talking about when. When you give. 
Let's read Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 5. It says, and this is Jesus. This is red letter straight out of his mouth. It says in verse 5, and when you pray, notice the key word there? When. When you pray. When you give. When you pray. And then just a little bit further in Matthew chapter 6 verse 16, Jesus says, and when you fast, notice the key word there? When. I love that we have a church that celebrates prayer and fasting, that makes a big deal of it, that does it regularly, but devotes specifically these next two weeks to prayer and to fasting. Why? Because it's Jesus' command. And what Mike said is exactly true. We, you know, praying we kind of subscribe to. Giving we can kind of subscribe to. But once the word fasting is mentioned in church, it's like, oh yeah, I, I didn't hear him say that. The church is doing a prayer and fasting? I didn't hear that one. I didn't hear Pastor Mike give the announcement about the prayer and fasting. I thought, I thought he just said prayer. Only to realize that it's the prayer and fasting that's going to get us from here to there. This is not just a, this is, this is the teachings of Jesus. When you fast, when you fast, and, and I love what Mike went on to say about fasting food. And we're not here to be condemning or to judge you. You fast what you feel like the Holy Spirit's calling you to fast. But the biblical example, at least the one laid before us by Jesus, is fasting food. It is. Read about it in Luke. In the wilderness, it says that he, he ate nothing and he was very hungry. You don't get very hungry by fasting an iPhone. You get very hungry by fasting food. That's the example Jesus lays before us. And I'm not, we're not condemning. Fast how you feel called to fast. Listen to the Spirit. But, but, but it is a big deal to, to offer something that costs you. What did David say in 2 Samuel? He said, I will not offer to the king that which cost me nothing. So when we fast, let's make a big deal of this. Why? Because it's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to Jesus. And fasting got Jesus through the wilderness. Fasting. And I think, I honestly believe it's one of the keys that we are missing out on. And if we begin to operate in it and do it, we would begin to see movement in our walk with the Lord. If you're stagnant in your walk with the Lord, I, I think you ought to participate in this fast with us. And it's a big deal because we're a family. You know, it wouldn't really matter if we were, if Christianity was a Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger sport. Like if this was a Lone Ranger sport, we could have a celebrity or a superstar like Michael Jordan, like just up on stage doing it for us. Like as long as Pastor Mike prays and fasts. You know, as long as Pastor Mike reads his Bible, as long as, he, as long as he's doing the thing, this is a superstar thing where as long as he's doing it, we're good. That's not the way it works. Jesus called this thing a body and that we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. That's why you got to look at your neighbor and say, hey, I need you to fast. I need you to fast. We need you to fast. We need each one of us to play our part, to participate. This is not a spectator sport. It's a participation sport. We have to participate in what's happening. We don't just get to watch others do it. I think we treat church a lot of times like a, like a football arena. Cheering on the Broncos. Go Broncos. They're terrible, so. <laughs> Bad joke. I'm a diehard fan, so. No, I will not say go Eagles. Although Pastor JR is just on the inside. He's from Philly and he's just, no. <laughs> Delete that from the podcast. We treat this, but, it, but you have a part to play. And I don't know what you've been told before, but 
Church is not about you coming and filling a seat. We don't need that. We need you to come and play your part. Whether that's an usher or a greeter or a server or a anything. You could be in the soundboard. You can be, you could play, if you play an instrument, if you don't, you could, there's so many things you could do. You can make coffee and outpour. You could sell books. You could do anything. Anything. You could work with the children. Praise God for the children's workers. Come work with the youth. God bless you if you work with the youth. There's a part for you to play is all I'm trying to say. And I'm saying we're a family. We're all in this together. And I think of church a lot like a family dinner table. Yeah, maybe what you bring is just the vegetables, but we need vegetables. But what if you were responsible for the steak and you had no idea and the whole family table is waiting for you to bring your part to the table? What if this whole thing is just waiting on you to give your part? You to sow your seed. You to give what God's given you. What if you're the missing link that we just need you to step in? I remember in basketball, growing up I was always kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I guess I would say the word bossy. A little bit bossy. I have a younger brother who's taller than me, stronger than me, and a little better looking than me maybe. And he's watching right now on the podcast. Hi, Jay. Or on the live stream. But... I would always boss him around. I don't know why. It's the older brother syndrome, I guess. And I remember my mom. She would occasionally, we would hang out in the basement and we'd play games and, you know, whatever. And she would occasionally open the door really quietly, you know, where we can't hear the door turn and open it and put her ear downstairs only to hear her oldest son being bossy to Josh. Josh, do this. Why aren't you doing that, Josh? I don't want to play that game, Josh. We're playing this game, Josh. Only for me to hear, Zachary J, quit being so bossy. You're going to have no friends. (laughs) And uh, that kind of heart posture and spirit carried me perfectly into basketball where I was also very bossy and I, you know, I'm, I, even the way I preach is very encouraging and inspiring. And, Come on, guys, we got to do this thing. and You got to do it. And, and then I remember just this one thing I did is I would tell them, five guys on the court, I would go to each one of them and say, hey, whatever it takes, don't let your guy score. And then I go to the next guy, hey, whatever it takes, don't let your guy score. Hey, whatever it takes, just don't let your guy score. Hey, whatever it takes, just don't let your guy score. I go to every teammate, and then I think to myself, I just can't let my guy score. And the beautiful thing about this is if you don't let your guy score, and 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 I don't let my guy score, guess what? They don't score. It's this idea that if we all just play our part, we can do this thing. It may look a little daunting if it's me versus all five of them, but when I realize that we each have a part to play and that we're each in this together, we can do it. Amen? Amen. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's in the wilderness that our character gets refined, our identity gets shaped, and our family gets formed. As we're walking through this journey, I think a lot of the advice we get is, is don't lose sight of the dream. Don't lose sight of the promise. Don't lose sight of the goal. And I thought about preaching that and saying that, and I I really sense the Spirit of God say, it's not about losing sight. The devil can take my sight. He just can't take my faith. 
The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. The enemy's going to try to take our sight, but what we can't let him take is our faith. Why? We just need a mustard seed of faith. Just a mustard seed of faith, and I can keep going. Just a little bit of faith, and I'll keep going. Just a little bit of faith, and I'll keep going. We just can't let him take that mustard seed of faith. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. What does Proverbs say? It says the, the righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up. Just keep getting up. Just keep going. God's going to bring you from here to there. Trust him. Our lives are constant cycles of waiting in wilderness. And that's no fun. Have you ever been in an airplane and they have to just spin around the airport for like a half an hour? Oh, has anybody ever, where they're like, we can't land now. We're going to, you know, cycle the airport for about a half an hour, whatever. I'm just so frustrated because I can see the destination, but I just keep waiting and just keep waiting and just keep waiting. And I think a lot of the times our lives feel just like that. We can maybe see it, but we just keep waiting and just keep waiting and just keep waiting. And it's like, God, why can't we land the plane? Hello, do you even know what you're doing? And his response is, yes, I know what I'm doing in your life. Will you trust me? Will you be patient? Will you be persistent? Will you be diligent? Will you just keep going? Will you just not give up? Will you just hold on to hope and faith? Will you just take courage in the midst of this wilderness, in the midst of the battle? The worship team can come back up. I'm gonna close with just this story. For my 21st birthday, I was telling my friends, hey guys, my 21st birthday, I wanna climb a 14er. And, um, and it, you know, a lot of times the idea sounds a whole lot better than actually doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, for, my, for my 21st birthday, we climbed Mount Elbert, which happens to be the, the biggest one, at least in Colorado, I think. And, uh, and, and so we're talking about it, you know, it's a few weeks before my birthday and we're planning it. We're gonna camp the night before. It's gonna be amazing. And it felt a lot like this. We were so excited and confident and this is gonna be amazing. We're gonna climb this 14er and that view. And when we get up there, it's gonna be so great. Can you imagine what it will be like when we get up there? That's what we're telling each other. Can you imagine it? It's gonna be so cool to be up there. And so then the days go by and we decide, you know what, we're ready, we're going. And my birthday's coming up, it's August 10th. And we go and we camp. And uh, we wake up that next morning and it's freezing. And we look at each other and we're like, I don't wanna do this. <laughs> what seemed like a really good idea up here, now the morning of doesn't sound like such a good idea. Luckily, I'm surrounded by some faith-filled friends that said, we gotta do this, gotta do it. And so we do it, we do it. We set foot on this journey and we start going. And actually out of the six of us, I didn't say this last service, out of the six of us that went on the camping trip, only four of us hiked. The other two needed more faith. So we set out on this journey, taking steps, climbing this mountain. And uh, we get not even a quarter of the way up this mountain. And I'm like, <gasps> and I'm native. And I'm, guys, I don't know if we should do this thing. I think we should just go back. It's my birthday. Like, come on. Can we go back down? I'm just breathing. Do we have to? They say, yeah, keep going. 
just keep going. So we keep going, and, and, and we're yelling at each other at one point in this journey. I'm saying, I can't believe you talked me into doing this. And they're saying, we didn't talk you into doing this. This was your idea. It's your birthday. You made us do this. And, and we're just going back and forth, yelling and arguing and tired and sweating and whatever. You know what it's like, and this is kind of like what our lives look like. We get into something. We get into life. We get into a job. We get into our families and stressed and overwhelmed, and we're just kind of wandering in this season. But then we began that final, that final climb. And we started climbing up to the top. And this thing that we had set out to do was finally, it was finally happening. We're finally getting to the top. It's final steps. And we get there all the way to the top of Mount Elber. You know what's waiting for us at the top of this mountain? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing's awaiting me up at the top of this mountain. Nothing. No chocolate fountain like I thought there'd be. Not even a Gatorade bottle. Nothing, man. There's one little cardboard sign that says, you've climbed Mount Albert, that you get to hold up and take a picture of yourself. <laughs> cardboard. Good job, you did it, you made it. Right, it's like, what is the reward when we get to this point? When we get to our dream, when we get to our goal, when we get to that promise, what is the reward? Is it actually being up here, having a cool view? Is that really the reward? Or is the reward everything that happened right down there on the journey? Maybe the reward isn't even this place. Maybe it's about us being shaped and fashioned and formed right here in the wilderness. Looking back down, I was like, man, the, and we had this story and we did this thing. And I remember when I yelled at you. You remember when you yelled at me? I remember when I threw my candy bar at you because I was so mad at you. Do you remember that? Do you remember when I wanted to give up and you literally pulled me by the shirt and said, we're not giving up? That's our faith walk. That's our journey. That's our story. That's what God is all about. He's all about the process, all about the journey. If he gets me there, great. But if he doesn't, oh well, this is enough. God, you're enough. This journey, this process, it's a joy and it's enough. You, God, you are enough. Amen? As we close this morning, I want us to stand up on our feet. We're going to sing one last song in response to close. I just believe that God wants to give us courage, wants to give us hope. And like we talked about, just that mustard seed of faith to keep going. It's not give up when the going gets tough, but to press in and to press through. So if you'd close your eyes as we go into worship, I just want to speak over. I really feel like there, and I said this last service, I still sense this, that there's somebody, maybe you're a businessman or you've started a company. I really sense in the area of business that somebody's on kind of that last leg, about to give up. And I really feel like the Spirit of God is saying, hey, don't give up. Just keep going. Just keep moving, just keep trusting, just keep believing. I sense even stronger for a, a, a couple in marriage that are on the brink of divorce. 
I even sense a husband or a wife thinking that it will be better in the next man or the next woman or in the next marriage. And God's saying, no, 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 it doesn't get any better than, than me. God himself is your portion. And God wants to give you hope. He wants to give you courage. And he wants to give you faith to keep going in your marriage. Don't give up. The clock's still ticking. Your heart's still beating. And God's still moving. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your spouse. I sent some parents with some teenagers. I know where my parents were when I was a teenager. Crying and weeping and praying because I was what looked like so far gone, only for God in his infinite faithfulness to come and bring me back into the fold, into the family, and now he's using me for his glory. Don't give up, parent. Don't give up on your teenager. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on what he's doing. Don't give up on his story. He is faithful. He who promised is faithful. That's what the Bible says. He who promised you is faithful. He will redeem your, your young person. He will redeem their story. He will rescue your marriage. He will restore your finances. He will be your redeemer and restorer. Amen? Come on, so let's take courage as we sing this final song. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to do what He does best. And that's to give us faith, to give us hope, to be our comforter, and to remind us of the promise. Jesus, as we go into worship, Help us to receive the download of faith, the download of hope to not give up. Help us to see beyond our circumstances and to see you in heaven. We need the Holy Spirit to get through this wilderness. And thank you, Jesus, that you've sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us step by step. As we sing this song, fill our family with faith, Fill our family with hope of what's to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song.